everybody. Welcome to the Melissa and Devin Show, where we're always unscripted, raw, and unedited. Come on, be a fly on the wall while we're bitching in the kitchen about current events, politics, family matters, and relationships. Well, hey there, Melissa. Hey, Devin. All right, we're going to let you have the floor today. Oh, coming in hot today. Yes. All right. Following our long weekend of, you know, family fuckery, as we're calling this. This episode. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by dysfunctional families all over the world. We'll have 80 more of these conversations. Oh, definitely. They can absolutely find their way into the happiest of moments. (laughs) So, funny enough. I decided that because I have been no contact virtually with both my parents for however long now, um, for a variety of reasons, however, so on holidays and family function things, I opt out. Generally, I don't get invited to things, but I and neither do my kids. But I generally just opt out, even if I am involved somehow or or do get a a rogue invite. It's just safer for everybody for me not to go because there's looming conflict no matter what. Because um, I, of course, fulfill the villain role in our family, and I am the. Um, it's just my role, and it is what it is shoulders are big because of it so this past holiday weekend which in Canada where we are was our Thanksgiving um, I opted to uh, take my boys and their one best friend and then all of their girlfriends so we're talking six teenagers and my three dogs and we took off to um, a client's place up north of here uh, on a beautiful lake and we uh, stayed at their place because they were gone away. So they offered the the house so we just took them up on the offer. So they also have a dog. So I had six teenagers and four dogs all weekend. <laughs> no chaos at all. It actually... The dogs were way more chaotic than the children. The kids just had a great time and, you know, did their thing. But, oy vey. So, anyway. So, we get through the weekend. It was absolutely lovely. We had a great time. Of course, the weather was good. Uh, The kids took off the one day and went and did the pumpkin patch thing. I made a huge dinner. It was all great. So, then after this this weekend I did a ton of journaling a ton of like staring out at the beautiful lake and you know contemplating thoughts and uh so I get back to home and start organizing some leftover goodies that have been in my basement from uh, my grandfather so my grand I'll fill in the listeners so my grandfather passed away this year and I am the executor of his estate so there has been like leftover knickknacks and mementos and keepsakes and pictures and whatnot that um, I've had at my house that have kind of been like on the back burner because there's been so many other things brewing in the last few months and so many other things to deal with. So I, however, I'm doing a couple of things in that, in my basement this winter. So I need to get that space dealt with. So I thought, well, I'm going to spend some hours down there 
get some of this sorted because I believe there's other family members um, that would probably want to have some of these items. So I'm going to put some time in. I'm going to get some stuff sorted. So I did. This was like right after the long weekend. So maybe Tuesday night. Spent some time down there, sorted out a bo- a big box, which I thought would be good for either to go to, like to go to a member of my immediate family, either an aunt or I have one aunt, uh, my mother, and then I have a cousin, um, like a grown cousin. So we are his immediate family, the four of us. There's no other siblings or anything. So we're a very tiny group. So I figured that uh, one of them would would appreciate having these items because I already have enough items, blah, blah, blah. So isolate this box, pack up some more stuff. I'm feeling pretty accomplished. So then I was like, uh, so I messaged out to my mother who I don't contact on a regular basis. Her and I are pretty low contact if at all. And there's a big story there, which we'll do another day. Um, Sent her a message and just basically said, I have a box of additional items from grandpa's, including pictures and keepsakes. I will put it out on my porch today around four o'clock for you to pick up. The response is, okay, thanks. And then it, she asked if there is a monument on his grave yet, because if any of you have dealt with an estate, there is a probate period and things get locked up with the lawyers and there is a due diligence and judicial thing where lawyers have to sign off judge has to sign off even with a will there's steps and stages so we're still in the steps and stages so um as far as estate stuff a lot of it is still locked up with the lawyer the legal system so i have not put a headstone on his uh, grave yet because he had traditional burial So I had been contemplating giving that responsibility to her, my mother and her sister, because I had to, I took care of the funeral arrangements and I took care of the obituary and I took care of a lot of those details, selling the house and the normal executor stuff, right? Which all fell on my list of responsibilities, which I've been very pleased to handle for him. And he and I had a great relationship. He was my very best friend. So like... It, uh, it was, it was no trouble to, to do all these things. And I knew it was my responsibility long before he got sick and passed away. So I responded to her and said something along the lines of, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was actually thinking that I would pass that responsibility along to you and your sister, um, to take care of the, um, uh, selection of the stone and because I'd heard through the grapevine of the family that both her and her sister were very unhappy with how I'd handled things regarding the funeral and that they both felt that I had left them out of the planning process which is interesting considering the funeral was already pre-planned by him before he passed so I was just following instructions But they were unhappy, and that's okay. They're entitled to their feelings. It's a big ordeal when it comes to funerals, I understand. So I had heard that they were unhappy, that with how I'd handled things and the way stuff had gone down, and his extended family was unhappy because they all still talk, and I'm the only one that doesn't. So anyway, um, the response I got, however, was interesting. So the response I got right back from her was, not upset. 
His whole family were hurt. They had no closure. How long were you going to wait to make that request? Keep your knickknacks. So, <clears throat> obviously, I was a little bit taken aback because if you're telling me you're not upset, clearly the tone of this is you are upset. And I've already been told by other family members that you're upset. So, this goes back to the whole like broken telephone game, right? So, there's this underlying current in our family. Um, there are some. I would call them like external casualties that got roped into the family drama that really didn't need to be involved or have a place in it. Um, but my mother and her, so her sister is estranged from the family that on her own, she chose that a long time ago. So my mother is the, is the bridge between um, her sister and her sister's daughter. And then the extended family on that side. My mother is the bridge. And there are a couple of people whom my mom is very close with that she um, colludes with. Mm -hmm. uh, so when she has a beef or, or a grievance or whatever, that's her go-to. And then they, of course, you know, discuss their feelings and their grievance and you know, at the end of the story is, is I'm always the one to blame because apparently I have everything to do with everyone and I make all the choices for everybody in our family, which is hilarious because I haven't had contact with any of them in years, <laughs> but somehow, somehow it all still is, is my doing. So anyway, it's always easier to push the blame, right? Yeah. Everything is someone else's fault. Of course. And to the one who's not involved, right? Of course. It's way easier to point fingers at the person who has stepped away from the family because they know I'm not the one involved. I'm not calling everyone. I'm not on the email list. I'm not that person. Like they so much as went so far that they excluded me from the family reunion this year and not just me, but my kids. So my own children were not included or invited to join their family in the first family reunion following my grandfather's passing. So that just kind of speaks to the character of these people. However, the culprit is my mother. Um, she's like the ringleader. Yeah, she, she's got the biggest spoon in the pot. Gotcha. So, and she likes to stir. Um, so her and a couple of the other cousins have all kind of uh, created their dynasty of... Um, unhappiness so generally general sour and unhappiness so there's I believe three of them in total and uh, I have no contact with either of the other two at all and then of course my mother and I have very 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 limited contact primarily only to do with like deaths <laughs> or any legal things that came of the estate and yada 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 so <clears throat> immediately following this message that to me sounds very upset, even though she claims not to be upset. And I can't figure out why this statement of his whole family were hurt. They had no closure. Cause if we backtrack that all of his family were invited to come see him in the hospital before his passing, all of them, a good majority of them did. So they all got to see him still alive before passing within the last couple of weeks. 
all of them. And I made sure that that information was out to everybody. Then <clears throat> every single one of them were included in the funeral. They were all invited. Everybody was there. Um, his nephew on that side of the family, I had asked him to do a eulogy. So the nephew on the same, this same side of the family, um, the nephew did the eulogy. It was absolutely perfect. Like he did such a beautiful job. And then a nephew on the other side of the family did an additional. So we had two different speakers. Um, my aunt, my mother's sister did not attend the funeral even though she was invited and included, she did not attend. Uh, her daughter did. Her daughter gave also a nice um, reflection of her thoughts and feelings about my grandfather, our grandfather. She did a lovely job as well. Um, my mother did not speak or ask to speak or mention anything about doing anything. I had asked her to do the photo boards, and which she did, and she did a nice job with the photo boards for the funeral. Um, I had done, you know, everything was already pretty well pre-planned, so it really was kind of a simplistic thing. The only, excuse me, the only choosing I did was to choose uh, what the um, cards of remembrance looked like, the picture that we used for the card, um, and I chose the songs to be played, actually sung. We had vocalists, so the, the songs to be sung at the funeral. Everything else was already pre-planned. So just for some context. Um, so again, I don't understand really what the meaning behind that was. And that's kind of here nor there. Obviously, she's speaking from a place of, of pain and maybe anger. So... Um, my response was, I'm sure whatever you two choose will be great. I'll offer his pictures to my cousin, um, since you don't have any use for them. That was the whole keep your knickknacks thing. So then she comes back with the person responsible for the estate is the person responsible for the stone. And, um, since we've had no part in it, the money in his estate is yours and whoever else's and the monument is your problem. Her words. It's your problem. Oh, no, ma'am. So, first of all, I didn't say that they needed to pay for anything. I asked if for them to select. Pick something out that you think is appropriate. Just select. I'm just passing over the selection process and like how you think it should be worded and what you want the script to say. And I asked for it to be selected by you, not paid for. There was no mention in my dialogue regarding payment because of course the estate is paying for it. Anyway, so my response was... Since you misunderstood, I am actually, I said the estate is paying for the stone regardless. I simply wanted to offer you the privilege of choosing this final marker out of respect for your relationship with him. Uh, since you have declined, I will happily take this honor on and I will assume that your happiness and uh, I will assume your happiness and trust in my choice. Oh. To which I got back, 
a horrific text, which, so my grandfather had a companion, a female companion for 12 years before he passed away. She was like his right hand for the last 12 years. Um, He loved her very much. She loved him very much. And regardless of anyone's opinion about it, my grandfather loved her. So I get fired back with, make sure you leave lots of room for her name. You did not make yourself very clear. And once again, you have the advantage. My sister and I have had no say in anything. So just do what you want. She just wants to be mad. What is her problem? Right? So then it was, my rebuttal was, once again, I've offered you this opportunity to take this responsibility and have your say. You said no immediately. Since you have chosen not to take this on, please have respect and honor my choices. I will again take on the responsibility and the work involved. Very clear. So then... I get just hammer slammed back with, I chose this. I wanted the responsibility. I wanted his money. I wanted all the control. I wanted all these things. I don't care who I hurt. I hurt everybody with his, with the funeral plans. I don't care about anyone's opinions. I don't care about the monument. Why did I wait so long to reach out? Like just like power hulk smashed in pure anger and hatred um followed by the closing line of his extended family have been hurt enough my final response was okay sure yeah what are you supposed to say this woman's lost her mind and i don't know her but like she just wants to be mad Yes. So most of my relationship with her has been her just wanting to be mad and her provoking fights. So she will go on a tangent like that about like this. This is just this topic, but she can go on that top, go on any topic and speak that way. Like the victim. I'm the victim. I'm yes. always the victim. So I used to what I used to call her my martyr instead of my mother. <laughs> For a reason. We'll take it. So, yeah. So, my martyr got right back on her really small pony, which she thinks is a high horse, and decided to parade that pony all around the land yesterday, spreading seeds of ugliness. So, yesterday was an interesting day because, of course, this transpired. And then, of course, because I now... Now I'm offering the knickknacks and his bric-a-brac and the pictures to my cousin. So my cousin got a message from me saying, um, I apologize if this has got any uh, negativity thrown on you, but this just, this has happened today and gave her the gist. Uh, Cause she lives with my aunt still. Mm, so she's okay. in the same home and the bitterness I'm sure flows very abundantly through that branch. I know it does because she has told me things that are just insanity. So, yeah. So, in with the family fuckery, um, 
it, it just astonishes me. And it's not even about like, I don't want to put labels all over this because everyone can say, Oh, your mom's a narcissist. Okay. Yes. I am. I'm fully aware of her narcissistic traits. I'm in my forties. She's in her seventies. We've been together a long time. I'm fully aware. This has been a lifelong journey for me, removing her out of my space. I have come in, in and out of contact with her many, 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 many times since the point I was like 12 years old. So this final little chapter of the book is coming to an end because once the estate is final and everything's settled with his estate, um, then I can just finally close that book and be done. Um, I was done until he got sick and then I had to reopen the book and communicate um, because of his illness. So my, so, you know, after all that, my take on it is, is I am, I feel I'm in a different place in life where I can look at certain things with her objectively now. Um, My knowledge of her um, mental ailments and her like anger issues and all of her stuff it, it doesn't affect me the way it used to when I was a younger person it it I, I now I feel empathy like I feel I'm I'm sad for her I I feel that like sympathetic pull not like I want my mommy but I feel sad for her I feel sad that somewhere along the line and I'm assuming it's in her childhood there was a piece of brokenness and then that brokenness never got healed. And she didn't, when she got older, there was more brokenness and then more broken. And my mother and her sister just never found their way out of the woods. And they have never, I know for a fact, my mother has never, but I don't know about her sister, but I know for a fact that there has never been any self-work. There's never been counseling. There's never been anger management there's never been treating her inner child there's never been any psychology component I know she does not read self-help books I know she has never um, focused on healing her trauma from her past I know this because when their mom died which was I think six seven years ago now when their mom died which I had no part in it was just up to the two of them um their way of dealing with their mother's um, passing was so cold and flippant and so much so that she was cremated. So my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was cremated and my aunt wouldn't even pick up the ashes. They left her and my mother and my, so my aunt was in charge of, of the estate there was there wasn't a fortune there was a little bit of money but there wasn't a fortune my aunt was in charge of it my aunt wouldn't even pay for an urn to put the ashes in so my mother finally went and picked up the ashes several months later it was in a plastic bag in a cardboard box so if this is their way of handling a death of a parent and there was no funeral. There was no even a service. There was zero. Wow. So if that's their idea of how to handle the death of a parent, why on earth would I ask for their input? 
in the death of their other parent. They both showed me in full vivid color. They showed everyone how they manage the death of their mom. Well, it's probably why your grandfather had everything like pre-laid out. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what I want. And why neither one of them were named as an executor or even a co-executor. So they already laid all their cards out on the table when their mother passed away. And they treated it like such an inconvenience. And they treated it like it was just the passing of like a homeless person on the street. Like they didn't even, there was no nothing to symbolize or recognize her passing. Like literally, they wouldn't pay for an urn for the ashes. That's how little they thought of her. Wow. So now fast forward six, seven years and my grandfather gets sick and he's now passed and they wonder why I didn't ask for their input. First of all, because he had a will, he pre-planned his funeral and I'm the executor. So my job, my duty to him is to just follow his wishes. That's it. It, there's not much room for interpretation. He did it all. There was a couple things that I needed to make choices on, and I did, with the help of his companion and the funeral director. And that was it. Like, there was just a couple things to, for me to decide. So I'm not sure what this... Like, again, it goes back to, you showed me your true colors with your mom. Why would I ever consult you on your other parents passing well and it sounds honestly and just an observation as an outsider yeah please that had you asked for her input Mm -hmm. that would have been a problem like it it doesn't matter kind of a or b situation how you handled it Mm -hmm. it would have been a problem regardless like oh i'm I'm not able to make decisions. I'm emotional, blah, I'm blah, blah. How exactly. dare you ask me to make these kinds of decisions? Or now because you went this route and it was, okay, well, I'm following my, you know, the instructions that have been laid out. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all of this. You don't ask for the input because you've seen the previous behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Like there are people in the world that just... There's nothing you can do. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. It's just... Absolutely. So this is where I'm at with the family fuckery is I wonder how many other folks, and I know you have your own family crazy paziness. Yes, ma'am. But the emotional warfare that certain family members bestow upon the others in their family, be it in... I see it as two, two ways. Either... They use their family members um, as a springboard to advance their anger, their hostility, their sour feelings. And they rope them in. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they rope them into that, that side of their agenda. Or there's the other side, which is the angry, bitter, confrontational, finger-pointing blame game. Um, where someone has to be at fault, as you just said, no matter what. Yeah. 
someone has to take blame no matter what. And it would never be that person who is loves to be in the blamer role. Because mm-hmm. let's be real, there's a decent population of our universe that just loves to be the one always pointing the finger. I'm sure we could both probably sit here and name 10 people that we know that are just that person. And whatever have you. But when you are negatively impacting an entire family with your insistence of blaming someone who you know is not going to pick up the phone and call the other family members to explain their side of the story or to defend the nature of their decisions. Because why? Well, why? Why would I give it energy? Like, why would I put gasoline on her fire? I would never put gasoline on her fire. No. And there's no way to put her fire out because she perpetuates anger in everything she does. Every time she treads a foot on the earth, there is anger. And it all comes back to she had trauma in her young life. I know she did because I know her story. There was trauma. Not like she didn't get the crap beat out of her. She was not raped or molested as a child. But there was emotional trauma and neglect from parenting And, you know, in the 50s and the early 60s, when she was a small child, parenting strategies were different and life was different and things were different. That's not an excuse. I'm just saying that when you have those sadnesses and you have that hurt and pain from a younger person under the age of, say, 19 or 20, and then when you get into your 20s and you don't do the work, And then you hit 30 and now you have a child of your own and you still haven't done the work and you consistently don't learn how to heal your inner self, the inner child, as everyone calls it in the industry. If you choose not to, because it is a choice, if you make an active choice to not fix your residual pain and hurt and all the, the trauma bonding from your younger life, You end up with a daughter that won't talk to you, grandchildren that won't talk to you, a sister that just throws more gasoline on your already blazing fire, no real friends, and I'm sure in some measure there is a vast amount of sadness and loneliness that she carries with her. And the sadness and the loneliness is where she wants to blame out. So because in her mind, I abandoned abandoned her as her daughter, I abandoned her because I won't talk to her or have a relationship any longer. She then has to take that sad and lonely cup and dump it all over me. Crazy. Oh, goodness. But the nice part of life is I have done so much work and I've got to a place at this age where I identify that that's how she probably feels. She feels very sad and she feels very hurt and she feels lonely. And instead of contacting a professional person or going to the bookstore and buying herself a well-recognized self-help book, and working through the steps and stages if she's too proud to reach out for professional help. At 70-something years old, she has chosen 
to live in anger and conflict. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Not because she's my mom, but just because it makes me sad. Like she is still a human being and she is a woman and she has had every advantage in life that basically anyone else in this province has. You know, she has a, a, a nice home. She has a roof. She has food in her belly. She has her health still at 70 something. She has a husband because she remarried. Her and my dad have been split for years. She remarried. She has a husband. Um, she has his family in her life as well. Um, so the fact that she, and she still has the extended family, the ones who she scapegoats to and who flying monkey for her. Well, they do. They're, it, I've had to block them all off my social because I found they were screenshotting my posts and sending them to her. Mm. Even if it was something positive, like... Of course. Yeah, even if it was something super positive. So, for instance, they I would post, like, a picture of, say, my kids on the first day of school. They would screenshot that and send it to her because they knew that her and I were not in contact. So they would send her the picture of my children from my social media post. And I then would hear it from of course my grandfather because he's the sweetest soul in the world he would be like i would come over with say this the pictures to show him and he'd be like oh i already show i already saw those your mom showed them to me and i'd be like pardon so then i figured it out it took me a little while but i did i'm a little slow sometimes but i i figured it out it was that she had her flying circus of monkeys um doing this and sending them to her. So unfortunately I had to remove and block a few of these people that I knew were doing it. Um, it was nothing personal. They don't understand the dynamic and they don't understand the truth of why our relationship is so fractured because they only hear her side of the story. Well, of course. And so there's I don't blame zero them. accountability here of like, mm -hmm. maybe I did something like mm -hmm. it's, we're, we're not going to get into my story today. That's a different day. Totally a different day. But it seems that when you get into this kind of a situation with a parent, because I don't speak to my father either, that it's always everyone else's fault. There is zero accountability, which is the most frustrating part of being like, I'm sorry, you don't think for a reason or for a second that there would be a reason that your child chooses to remove themselves from your life. Yes. Like you would think any logical human being would be like, I probably did something and I should probably fix this. Or at least <clears throat> I have read so many things about narcissistic parents. It, it like I could write my own book, which I might someday. But all of the scientific coming from experts about psychology, about brain mapping, about um, uh, parent trauma bonds, about um, deflection, diversion, all these tactics, right? Um, never mind the gaslighting and all that crap. It's more of this, it's this bar. It's this bar that the, say, the at-fault parent we're going to use parents for today the at-fault parent sets their standard bar at like whatever level the child is expected to always meet that bar when the child does something that um 
disappoints or embarrasses or breaks narrative for what that parent sets that bar to. So in my case, when I was a young person, it was grades in school. If I did not bring home straight A's on my report card each and every time, and I mean each and every time, I was an embarrassment. That implemented overachiever problems with me because I always had to do that or else I was embarrassing my mom. Oh, trust me. I've worked I'm through like all this. I'm like raging. Sorry. Go ahead. I've worked through all this. It has taken years of therapy for me to get through all this stuff and books and self-help and journaling and this and that. So my mom's bar when I was a young person was marks. My marks had to be at straight A level. So I graduate grade eight, valedictorian, straight A's, going into an achievement program, like, because they had that back then, going into like, an, like the, the overachiever program, right? Won a bunch of awards, like whatever. <clears throat> Everything else about me was fractured, falling apart, and unhappy. But as long as I brought home those marks, I learned I could get away with anything I wanted as long as she got her report card. So my very clever, crafty, way too big for my young body mind, I just realized that I could do whatever I wanted as long as I hit that mark on that report card. So now I go into high school, which is exponentially harder, by the way, especially back in those days, like in the 90s. When you had to actually do the work. Yeah. And like it like it was a challenge. And I think back now, like I I was very underprepared, even though I was a really good student. I was really underprepared for the the jump from grade eight to grade nine Mm. academically, even being a super good student. So I remember first progress report grade nine, my math mark was like a B minus or a C plus. It was not great. 70 something. (laughs) Not great compared to what I was used to getting. Right, right, right. So I bring this home. Of course, I already know what's going to happen. Trouble, right? Trouble. So sure enough, trouble. Trouble ensues. Big trouble. And then here we go. So then the pattern starts. So then it's punishment for the bad grade. Never not once did my parents ever assist me with my schoolwork, nor did they ever even sit beside me and like just find out what I was doing. They never did. So this bar was set so high for my overachieving self, but they never supported from underneath. So the bar was literally like those suspension rod curtain showers things. You know, the one if your shirt curtain gets a little too heavy, it'll fall right off the wall. So guess what? Grade 11, my curtain fell off the wall. Mm. I failed a class. I broke up with a guy who I'd been in a relationship with that was an absolute disaster waiting to happen that my parents supported. Never did anything about it. Um, they never, like I said, they never went to one parent teacher interview. They never went in and talked to my guidance counselor. They never asked me what classes I had, how I was doing, what was, what was the prereqs for those classes. Was I happy with them? Did I want to change them? I was 100% in charge of my entire life and every decision in it from the time I was about 11 with no guidance or support, but a massive bar to hit. 
So Which is if, why you cut ties. Correct. So as life goes on, mm-hmm. um, then it became, once I started achieving again, like because grade 11 was a tough year. Grade 12 changed all my programming around everything great back, back to good marks again. And then I didn't go to college or university. And not one person said to me, why not? Mm. Nobody. Everyone just assumed that I was making the right decision for myself. And they just let me go ahead with zero guidance or anything. So, Which you would kind of assume from a parent, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think about my kids. Like, my kids are in their last year of high school right now. And we have at least three conversations a week about planning for next year. At least three a week. At least. We had one this morning talking about next year and like making sure we got the right strategy, making sure their teachers are on board, making sure they've got the programs they need, making sure they've got the classes they need. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? When's career day? When's the drop-in thing? When's the guy, when's the tour from the campus? We talk about this stuff all the time. I can't even tell you how many times I've sat and read books for book reports with my kids because (laughs) My kids were like COVID, right? COVID. Yeah. For the first th- two and a half years of high school, they were COVID kids. They didn't Which have... screwed everything yeah, up. Their, their reading level and their comprehension level, like reading comprehension levels are not on par with a regular grade 12 student, in my opinion. And the teaching has been crazy the last three years, but whatever. So like I will sit and eat and read with my kids. I will... We talk about their future. We talk about career goals. We talk about how much their money they need to make in order to purchase a home one day. We talk about all this stuff. So yeah, I have a bar for my kids too, an expectation of of achievement. But I also am completely involved and I support them in their successes and their failures. When they bring home a failing mark, I don't beat my kids up over it. It's like, damn, we should have spent a little more time on that or Maybe, maybe this isn't the right class. Maybe we need to adjust this class. Would you like me to call guidance? Would you like, maybe you should go in and talk to guidance and see if this is the right way we need to go. Maybe we can drop this class and take something else. If this class is killing you, maybe we can adjust that. It's a constant dialogue. And I remember like, you know, reflecting back, it's like when I made the vow to myself and to my children to change everything about how I was parented. And completely break that generational crap. I, it is an, it is an active activity. It is not like, oh, I'm the change in the world. Look at me. Woo woo. I did a self-help book. And so therefore I broke the curse of the family. No, no, no. No action. Oh man. All the action. All the action and all the work. And we action and work in my house, at least daily. There is always active parenting. There is always active engagement. There is active conversation. There is support. There is love. There is endless communication. And I think that's why it makes me sad. When I get messages from her like this, I now can go to a place in my heart where I'm like, I just feel sad for you. And I wish you could find the healing and the compassion for your own self. And I wish you could just step out of your anger and learn how to love yourself because it would then allow you to love everyone else. I love that there's been 
the accountability of like, I'm going to change this. This ends with me. And you've parented your kids so differently because there, it always goes one of two ways, right? Either it continues because that's how you were raised and then that trauma just keeps on continuing. But mm-hmm. when we break that, it's amazing. It is truly amazing. And the amazing part is that I can look at my kids now as young adults and say, you will make wonderful parents one day should they choose to be parents. They will make wonderful parents because they have all the tools that I spent 20 years arming myself with yeah they have all of them minus the trauma which is oh so good which is all we can just hope for for everyone right amazing well on that note we're gonna wrap it here until next week see y'all thanks guys